Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. For splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and fill all that fills it. Let the fields exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Grab a seat. Psalm 96, open your Bibles to what I just read. Psalm 96. Wow, I'm cranked up. Psalm 96. Last Sunday, Pastor Cody took us through a Psalm 14. Oh, that salvation would come. Let me read a few things that he said last Sunday. We have so much to rejoice and be glad about. Salvation has come in Emmanuel, Jesus the Messiah. And just like David and the peoples of Psalm 14, our cry is still, oh, that salvation would come. He went on to say, we wait baby Jesus' return, anticipating the resurrected, glorified, magnified Jesus Christ coming again to finally and fully establish the kingdom and to restore the fortunes of his people. Well said. Well said. Oh, that salvation would come. And we're building off of that today. And I just am here to tell you from the Psalms in Psalm 96 that salvation has come. Salvation has come. And we're going to take a look at it. Friends, uh, Christmas is a time to get vocal. It is just a time to get vocal. The fact that the Messiah Christ has come, that is something to get vocal about. And uh, I'm going to be encouraging us to be and do that this Christmas. More vocal. More vocal about what the Lord has done. And in fact, out of that, uh, the irony of that is that Psalm 96 gives us seven ways to get vocal about the Lord. How many ways? Seven. Seven ways to get vocal about the Lord. And by the way, it doesn't just leave those seven there. It gives four fours. How many fours? That works well. Four fours as to why to get vocal about the Lord. Salvation has come. Let's get vocal about it. The first three ways for God's people to get vocal about the Lord are in verses 1 through 3. If you're there in Psalm 96, uh, if you're not, please get there. The remaining four are kind of down in verses 7 through 12. Uh, So you ready to get up to the first three? Yeah, actually, that was pretty good. Um, But a little bit more help for you on this. Um, let me just kind of show you where I began doing my sermon prep 
this week. Uh, this was my literal, actually I took those pictures this week at the Grand Canyon on Monday and Tuesday. And I'll just say this, if you can't come up with a halfway decent sermon sitting there, you're kind of in trouble, right? <laughs> so the pressure's on here for me. Um, but Karen and I took a vacation uh, the other week, and yay, amen to that. And uh, actually without work to do, except for the second week. Um, we went to Denver, we were about an hour and a half out west in the mountains there, and uh, then spent the weekend down in Denver with uh, Kent Shaw and Jeff Schwartz and Trub. Jeff is the pastor of Harvest in Denver. By the way, just kind of a local connect, uh, Peyton Manning and his family attend Harvest Denver. How cool is that? And uh, just had a chance to be able to spend with them. And then uh, I kind of took a couple personal day retreat, drove 765 miles in a day for a two-day uh, time in the Grand Canyon. And uh, that's what I got to sit and see. Um, pictures don't do it justice. Um, it's awing, soulmate awing. But I got to tell you, I come back from that and I see just who the Lord is in all of this. And I'm like, it's time to get vocal. Um, and so I'm cranked up. So we're going to go vocal here today. Okay, so let me say it this way. So you're ready to learn about seven ways to get vocal about the Lord? Yes. Okay, awesome, awesome. We're going to go there and it's going to finish with four he comes. Uh, let's do the first three. They're in verses one through three. Uh, let me read. Uh, the first one is sing, sing. What's the first one? Sing. We've just been doing that. Look at verse one. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Uh, it's like, it gives the idea to sing, right? You can't get by these couple uh, lines here without getting the idea. The Lord wants us to sing. And note, it says, sing a new song. So I'm going to say this. Old songs are awesome. And I grew up with some old songs that I love. And whenever I hear them, they're very near and dear to my heart. Seriously, on that. And I get that. Old songs have a heritage to them. Uh, they're important. And, and, but I want to tell you what. God's people are to be driving new songs. Okay, new songs that come out of what's taking place. And in fact, Psalm 96 is essentially quoted in 1 Chronicles 16 when God's people are coming back from captivity into Israel. They're bringing the ark in to place it in the tabernacle. They didn't have the temple at the time. They're bringing it all in. And Psalm 96 is essentially in what they declare in 1 Chronicles 16 and how what a perfect setting to be in that whole thing of a new song. I mean, they've been in captivity for, for, for centuries and they're coming back and it's like time for a new song to celebrate what God has done. So we, we, we reverence and, and we are grateful for the old songs, but there is always to be a new song coming out of God's people, both in song and in reality in our lives. Uh, sing a new song. Also notice it says, uh, sing all the earth. It's interesting. You go through this whole chapter and there is a fullness of the whole earth in there. The Lord's desire has always been that the whole earth would be involved in worshiping him as their God. In fact, uh, it says the world in verse 13. It says the nations in verse 3 and 10. It says the peoples in verse 3 and 5 and 7 and 10 and 13. All those, it talks about the peoples. Uh, then it has the earth in verse 1. 
1 and then verse 9 and verse 11 and verse 13. There's a singing that God wants to have take place that's a wholeness in it all, a wholeness in his all. Uh, Sing to bless his name is also one of the things that is said in verse 2. Listen, the Lord loves it when his people sing to him. We have our grandson living in our house right now, and it's just so sweet. I've made mention of this because this is just kind of our life right now. Times of just how when he talks and says things like, all the problems of the day just disappear. This, this little booger guy, I mean, is just like the coolest. And, and in it, and, and I can't imagine one day hearing him sing. And listen to me, the Lord loves it when his people sing. He loves it. And this is one of the things that I don't think I really understood until later in my life. I grew up in a zombie church and kind of a zombie singing culture church where it's like stand, move your lips, sit, and there's not much else going on there other than some song. I'm just telling you, I'm so over that. I am so over that. And people sometimes will say, well, that's my personality or that's what I'm used to. I'm just going to say this, get over it. Because the Lord loves it when his people sing and sing full out. And in fact, I tie that to this because bless his name. The Lord loves it when his people sing his name. They just love that when it happens. And and this comes together. And I just want to say this. Christmas is a unique time of the year to live out the call to sing. Isn't this a time where you just got songs going on? Isn't it? Do you have them going on in your home? Sing them, baby. Let them rip. Let them roll. Let it be had. Sing it in the car. This is like the perfect time of the year. You can be singing the Christmas songs with the windows down. People don't think you're a total dork driving in the car. Sing. Let's, let's lay it out there on the table. First one, sing. Look what's next then. Uh, the next way, uh, middle end of verse 2, is to tell Tell of his salvation from day to day. By the way, telling is different than singing. Telling is different than singing. It's tell of his salvation. It's tell of your salvation story. Do you have a salvation story? Do you have a story where like Paul talks about in Acts where he's kind of doing his life and doing his gig the way he wants to do it and the thing he wants to be about and then all of a sudden he comes by God's a marvelous hand and comes to realize that there is a God who loves him and who has died for him and his sin. And, and that, that, that that Lord Jesus has said that as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And, and then uh, have, do you have a story of coming and receiving Christ as your Savior? And, and then not only stopping there, but a story that continues on of, of what you were and then what happened and then what you've become and how the Lord has grown and changed you. We're all growing and changing, right? This is not a room full of people that have made it. This is a room full of people that are on a journey to be more like Christ. And we need to tell, talk about that. And uh, tell of his salvation, tell of his redeeming work and his ongoing work in you. And also tell of the full salvation work that the Lord is going to be completing when all things are brought to an end. Tell of his salvation. By the way, tell of it day to day. By the way, am I correct that day-to-day includes today? Does day-to-day include Monday, uh, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday? I think that's day-to-day if I have my English correct. That's a lot. It's a habit. 
talking to, about the Lord and his salvation and telling one another. It's not just telling ourselves, but it's even interacting with other people. Uh, tell, sing and tell. Third one, declare. Look at verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Declare is different than tell. And declare is different than sing. Declare carries this idea of an assured, secured, kind of a public pronouncement. It's kind of like a driving the state type of thing. Like we have written declaration called the Declaration of Independence. Right? Uh, Back in the day of history here in this country, it was writing down and then people signing it with John Hancock really going at it big time. And and signing that and, and then saying essentially, I declare this. We declare this. It is a declaration that there was written down, but it is also, it is a a declaration that is spoken. It's a kind of thing like, hear ye, hear ye, kind of declaration. Not only telling, but declaring in it all. Not out of arrogance, but out of worship and awe of who the Lord is. Sing, tell, declare. All of those are to be part of who we are. All of those should be happening in our homes. There's four more. Jump down to verse 7. Fourth one is a scribe. I like this word. It just sounds cool. It just sounds like you're smart when you say a scribe, doesn't it? Uh, Look at verses 7 and 8. A scribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. A scribe to the Lord, glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Ascribe. It means to assign to. It means to attribute to, to impute to. I like this one. I'm just a regular guy. It means to chalk it up to. That's what it means. Hey, chalk it up to the Lord. Sing it. Tell it. Declare it. And chalk it up. Chalk it up to the Lord. Listen, all the glory, chalk it up to the Lord. Sometimes we kind of get caught in our own glory thing, right? Kind of want to carry on our own glory to make sure other people know how awesome we think we are. Hey, chalk it up to the Lord. Off of me, off of you, chalk it up to the Lord. All glory goes to the Lord. By the way, the text also says all strength to the Lord. Chalk it up to the Lord. By the way, chalking it up to the Lord includes coming into his courts. It's just this idea of this, this idea of this corporate gathering. It's not just we're so individualized in America. It's not just this individualistic thing that we do, but there's also a corporateness thing that happens here. I want for you to understand this place is not holy, okay? This place is the place where we gather, we come together, and and let's say it this way, we we come together to chalk it up to the Lord, right? That's really what's going on here, and in our whole singing, what are we doing in our singing? In our singing, with the words that are taking place, we're chalking it up to the Lord. That's what's happening with that, and also it talks about bringing in an offering. There's something physical about that. Listen, by the way, I just want to say thank you so much as a church family. You have been unbelievably giving as a church family. And I don't say all this, what I'm saying right now, to try and get more money. Listen, Lord's going to take care of that. 
But here's the deal. When we come together on this, we're chalking it up to the Lord. And one of the opportunities of that is to kind of have this thing where we physically chalk it up to the Lord even through our offerings. And uh, how cool is that? Ascribe it. Chalk it up. Ascribe it to the Lord. Fifth one. By the way, how many ways are there? So we're on five. We're moving. Verse 9. It is worship. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Know this. We'll be talking about it towards the beginning of the year, towards the latter part of January. Worship is not just a four-hour time period here, however long you are here. This is not just the worship time. All of life is worship. Worship is a 24-7 reality. At work, at home, at school, everywhere we go, worship is the opportunity right there. We are worshiping something every moment of every day. Do you know that? Every moment of every day, you and I are putting something before us. It's either a false idol of life or it is the Lord. Every moment of every day is an opportunity of worship. And that worship includes singing and telling and declaring and ascribing Note in here, it talks about worship and the splendor of holiness. Worship is a splendoring thing. Worship is the kind of thing to where it's like, oh my, God is awesome. It's a splendoring thing. It's just beholding who God is and grasping a hold of that and just splendoring in the reality of that. But also I'll add to this, the text tells us that worship is also a trembling thing. It's both. It's so interesting how we see in the scriptures so oftentimes where uh, individuals like Isaiah and John come before the presence of the Lord and and you don't find them running up to the Lord and like doing high fives or doing the slap football slap on the rear end kind of thing going on or a chest butt type of thing going on or even some kind of funkified handshake. You find them face down on the ground thinking they're going to die. Trembling. And yet there is a splendor. And we have a tendency oftentimes to swing towards one or the other. Sometimes we can swing so much to the splendoring who the Lord is that we forget about the awesomeness of the reality and being able to have that reality of trembling before the Lord. Sometimes we're so much about trembling before the Lord and this fearful thing before the Lord that we forget about He wants us to splendor before Him. It's to be both in there. Worship in the splendor, worship, trembling. Sixth one, say, say, verse 10. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. By the way, do you notice that it says say among the nations and all of that is a quotation. So let's all say, here we go. All say the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Amen. Well, I'll say, the world is established, it shall never be moved. Amen. All say, he will judge the people with equity. Think about this. Think about, I've kind of broken those into three statements. 
Think about these three statements and how if we would say these things, if we would preach these things to ourselves, just these three right here. Friends, ponder this this week. Look at these three and how they would alter our thinking and drive ourselves. Watch. Life is moving along. And sometimes don't you just wonder who in the world is in control of what's happening in my own life and what's taking place and in the world at large. Oh yeah, the Lord reigns. You watch the news and every, everything going on in the news is news alert, news alert. I mean, like if Twinkies gets stopping getting production, it's a big news alert. And it's like everything is to be lived in fear. The Lord reigns. I'm just telling you. Scripture tells us. The Lord reigns. And I am so glad. Yeah, but where this world is going. Where my life is going. There's just, there's just like nothing established. I mean, this is just flowing and, and floating and just we're randomly here and there's really no purpose and, and people and leaders are taking us to places that just cause me great fear. Wait a second. The world is established and it shall never be moved. Not only does the Lord reign, but the world is established and it will never be moved. He's got it. He's got it. I'm telling you, Psalm 96 changes how you watch the news. The Lord reigns. The world is established. It will never be moved. And then the last one. Man, the wickedness that's going on in our world. And we even know the wickedness in our own hearts, right? And yet the wickedness that's taking place and the evil things that are happening with it, it's like, is someone going to take care of this and judge this? Is someone going to like get this wickedness that, that's happening uh, all over the place just taken care of? And the answer to that is Psalm 96. Yes, the Lord will judge with equity. By the way, you and I cannot judge with equity. We don't have that ability to. We don't. The Lord will judge with equity. It's all right. It's all right. Hey, if you're concerned and worried and all in a kerfunkle this Christmas, the Lord reigns. world is established. And what's the last one? He's got it. He's got it. And by the way, we need to say that again and again and again and again and again to ourselves. And then the last one, number seven. I love this one. Let. You know, it's all this uh, verbal things and then sometimes we just got to zip it and let some others speak. Like who? Who? Verse 11, let the heavens be glad. Uh, I left uh, Grand Canyon 5 o'clock in the morning so that I could get out in the desert where no lights are. 
It's not like here. Humidity, close to a big city. Then when I was driving, the sun's coming up. And it's just like, it, sunrise is at 7.15, 7.20. But actually at 6 o'clock, you could hear, oh, seriously. <laughs> you could hear just a little bit of light, see the little bit of light coming up, kind of like a town far away. And then it just bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Let the heavens speak. The Lord reigns. He has established all things. Let the heavens speak. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. I like this. Let the sea roar. And all that fills it. That's a lot, right? And let the field, we get that here in the Midwest. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. How cool. Listen, God doesn't need you and me being able to declare. He wants for that to happen, for us to sing and to all these things in it. But, but he, he has all that he has created sing it as well. And sometimes we need to sit back and let creation sing and tell and declare and worship and all the others. Now, I haven't been good at that over the last couple of years. Active, 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 70, 80 hour weeks. And it's time to just start slowing down and letting others and the Lord speak. Christmas can take you down with its activity. This Christmas, there needs to be times where you sit back and you let others speak, the seasons speak, and creation speak. More of that in us, right? More of that in us. In fact, I just want to bring our picture from my picture from when I was out. Let it speak, baby. Just let it speak. Sing. Tell. Declare. Ascribe. Worship. Say. Let. Christmas is the perfect time for all seven. All seven. Why? I think a rightful question out of these is why do those? What's the basis for that? I don't think God is bothered at all by people asking questions. Okay, if you say to do that, why should I do that? What's the basis for doing that? Here's what's so cool about God's word. He gives us reasons why. In fact, he gives us how many reasons why? 
four. There are four fours. Let's just quickly go through these. We begin with these four reasons why God's people should get vocal about the Lord. Reason number one, for he is great. Up at verse four. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Hey everybody, God is great. I don't know, maybe this week, sometime this week, you've been wondering if God really is. I get that. Things take place, things happen in life where you're like wondering, does God really reign? Does God really have what's going on? Is God really that great right now? Because right at this moment, I'm not feeling like God's so great. With me? The rest of you either are lying or just quiet. God is great. It's easy to say, but it's hard to hold that before our eyes. But he is And notice here, God is to be greatly praised. Friends, this is what I was referring to earlier when I kind of grew up in zombie church. Where it's just like stand up, sing, sit down, faceless, voiceless, lips moving, that's about it. Anything beyond that was kind of wackadoo. Over that. And here's why. Because the greatness of the Lord should show and who and how we worship and tell and declare and say and all the other seven. A great view of the Lord results in a great response of praise to the Lord. Listen, I am not saying in this whole thing that it's if someone raises their hands or claps, listen, I'm not into that whole thing of it or judging people by that whole thing. But I got to tell you this. If for me, it was, it was the whole thing. If I could get more excited at a Pacers game or a Colts game and get more physically involved in that, and then I come to church and act like a zombie, there is a problem with me. Straight on the table with you. Why is that? How can that be? If I declare that God is as great as he is, I want to tell you, I could get a little bit cranked up about that. Okay? And that would have been like a great time for some people to go, booyah. Okay? I'm serious about this. Because actually, how we respond, I would suggest from the text, from the biblical text, I would suggest our response tells what's going on in our heart. And a wimpy response to the Lord, you match the dots. I'm not a want to be judging. I don't want us to be a people like that. Oh, God, spare us from that. But I will tell you this. I do think from the text, a small view of God drives a small praise of God. And a great view of God drives a great praise of God. But that's not my personality. I, 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 gotta t- I just don't care. Because I don't think the Lord cares. Because the Lord wants us full out on the table. Amen. The Lord loves it. That's all that matters. I'm tired of wimpy in my own life. For he is great. Reason number two, for he is worthy. Verses four and five. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Know this, Yahweh made everything, and all the idols and other gods being declared as deity are nothing. They are nothing. 
They are not a smaller God, and they are not some small G God under big G God. They are not. They do not exist. Even the Hebrew terminology has this idea of wordplay. They are false Elohims. They're fake. They're not real. The text is not saying that they are, but God is bigger. The text is saying they're nothing. Only Yahweh, only. And this idea in our day and age that all all gods lead to the God. All all acts and forms of worship, of, of, of whether it's Allah or whatever it is, all lead to the same God. Friends, that is a biblical falsity. And it is intellectually absurd. And I'm going to show you why here just in a couple minutes. Reading from a book. But I want to tell you, he is worthy. Yahweh, Jehovah is the only God, the only worthy God. And that's why we are a people that sing and tell and declare and describe and worship and say and let. Because he is great and because he is worthy. Reason number three, he is majestic. Verse six. For splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. I don't need to say a whole lot about that. Just picture it as much as we can. For splendor and majesty are before him. Just just seek to picture it as best as we can. Splendor and majesty are before him. And also in that strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. The Lord reigns from that place. He is majestic. And then lastly, down in verse 13, reason number four, for he comes. Look at verse 13, last verse of the chapter. For he comes. And then it repeats it. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So what's the big deal about Christmas? The big deal about Christmas is that the Lord has come. And here's the thing in that. I, I think in our country and, uh, you know, if you've grown up going to church, uh, we tend to too quickly jump by this fact. And just assume it. And not pause on it. Listen, Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which means God with us. Uh, Not prophet with us. Not moral man with us. Not a great example with us, but God with us. And then in Matthew chapter 2, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Wise men from the east came saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Bring your offerings. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
born of a virgin, laid in a manger. The Lord has come. And, And do you understand the absurdity of that reality for many in our world today? Do you understand that that statement right there is an absolute absurdity to a Muslim? In fact, I've just begun reading Nabil Qureshi, young man, just died in September, 34 years old. I would highly encourage you. I think this is the new case for Christ of our present day. Seeking Allah, finding Jesus. Seeking Allah, finding Jesus, Nabil Qureshi. Let, let me read from you uh, uh, page 22, part of page 22 and 23. I'll tell you, the way he writes, he, he, grew, he grew up as a Muslim in a Muslim family, and, and he speaks so honorably of it. I just love the, how he talks about it. And, and even there's some, some things to learn from his parents. Wow, they, they, were like, they were like raising their children to love Allah. Listen to him as he writes in here. And some of his own thoughts and struggle in the very beginning of the book of what's taking place. It's Christmas. Listen. But how is it conceivable that Allah, the highest being of all, would enter into this world? This world is filthy and sinful. No place for the one who deserves all glory and all praise. How could I even begin to suggest that God... The magnificent and splendid creator would enter into this world through the birth canal of a girl. Abdu'l-Billah, that's disgusting, he says. To have to eat, to grow fatigued and to sweat and spill blood and to be finally nailed to a cross. I cannot believe this. God deserves infinitely more. His majesty is far greater than this. But he is thinking to himself. But what if his majesty is not as important to him as his children are? Of course we are important to him, but Allah does not need to die in order to forgive us. Allah is all-powerful and he can easily forgive if he chooses. Well, what does coming into this world to die on a cross have to do with my sins? It doesn't even make sense for Allah to die on the cross. If he died, who is ruling the universe? Good question. He cannot die. That is part of his glory. There there is no need for these charades. He can simply forgive from his throne. But, he goes on in his thinking, but how can Allah be just if he simply forgives our betrayal? God is not arbitrary. He is absolutely just. He judges with equity. How would he be just if he forgave arbitrarily? No, he cannot just forgive. He cannot just forgive us if he chooses. The penalty for my sins must be paid. Friends, we don't understand how this whole idea of God coming is absurd in our world. But know this God says that he did. And in the seeming absurdity that God would come in the flesh, he did. That's what this time of the year is about. 
This is why we worship and give glory to the Lord. Because he did what is absurd. He has come. Oh, by the way, Genesis 3, verse 8. This is the character of who God is. God has always been, even following the entrance of sin with Adam and Eve under the face of the earth. Verse 8 says, And Adam and Eve heard the sound of Yahweh God walking in the cool of the day. Even when sin came into the picture. Yahweh God placed himself with. That's who God is. The God of scripture. The Yahweh God. And Adam and Eve hid themselves from his presence. That means he was with them. I just want to say, he came then. Even when sin was on the earth. This is who our God is. And then verse 15 in Genesis 3, uh, God is talking and, and talking to Adam and Eve and to Satan. And it says to Satan, for one will come that though Satan will deal him a bruise, the one that comes will deal Satan a lethal blow. The absurd work of the second person of the Trinity coming born in a manger, going to the cross, dying for you and I as the son of man. And Mark uses the term again and again. It means as the direct representative of mankind. He stepped into our shoes as the perfect representative is what is represented in that manger. And he went to the cross and he died to pay the price for you and I and rise from the dead. And all who would receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. That's why this season is so big. And that's why we get so verbal about it at this season. Because God coming is an absurd reality. And yet he did. And he's coming again. Then I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in his righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of the heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him, and white horses from his mouth came a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he will tread the wine presses of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the one that was in the manger. That's the one. And this is why we get vocal. And this is why we sing. And this is why we tell. And this is why we declare. And this is why we ascribe. And this is why we worship. And this is why we say. And this is why we let. Because he is great. Because he is worthy. Because he is majestic. And because he has come. And he will come. That's why. Hey. It is Christmas. And this is a time for us to get vocal with one another and with our families and together. 
And if you're not used to, if you're visiting, you're not used to somebody getting so cranked up about this. Welcome to Harvest. I'm tired of zombie Christianity. We have every reason to sing. Oh, that salvation would come. It has. If you don't know what it is to have a relationship with Christ as your Savior, oh, talk with someone. Please. Please talk. Salvation has come and been made available to all who would receive. Merry Christmas. Buckle up, here we go. And so, Lord, we sing. And we tell. And we declare. And we ascribe and we worship and we say and we let. And we, we have the bases out of Psalm 96. The reason why we do that, especially this time of season, is because the realization that you are great. Not only are you great, but that greatness of that reality just calls us to worship you greatly. Greatly are you to be praised because you are great. Greatly are you to be praised because you are worthy. There is no other God on the face of this earth that is worthy like you because there is no other God. You are the God creator. People are getting lost in these ideas that always lead to God. And it's just, it's just a lie. It's not true. Honestly, God, I wish it was true. But it isn't. That's because your word tells us it's not. Tells us that you are worthy. You are the only one that is worthy. And you are majestic. Splendor and majesty is before you. Strength and beauty surrounds your sanctuary. You're not asleep. You're not far off. You're not distant and detached. You are majestically involved. Even when we don't understand it. The last part of Psalm 96, Lord, that is just so endearing and so truthful and so helpful is the fact that what sets you apart from all others is that you have come. You have. And so we have every reason to be amped up because God has come in a manger as the son of man, as the representative of man, as the one equal to man, to pay the price for mankind. You didn't have to do that. You didn't need us. But you are so great and you are so worthy and you are so magic that you, majestic that you did. You came. And we adore you.
not only did you come, but you will come. And so we sing. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. 